Episode 10, Co-Additive Podcast with myself, Tyler Reed. And Tate Brown. All right. I, I was really hoping for some ACDC, the way that started out. And it just, you know? It went into something much, much worse. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because it, that was totally subconscious. I have been listening to a lot of ACDC over the past few weeks. Why? You know, there's something about opening up the door to my garage, going out into the shop, putting uh, Back in Black on, and just starting out like a Saturday morning, just with energy. I love it. And then I'll just listen to their whole discography. Okay. Yeah, I love it. I haven't started a week off with energy in <laughs> at least two weeks. Yeah, it's been three weeks since I've seen you, I think. You've been back now for like one hour. Two, two and a half weeks, yeah. Two and a half weeks. So, yeah. where were you? <laughs> well, uh, let's shoo. Uh, I went fishing. Yeah. Everybody knows I went fishing. Everybody that listened to the last episode. And I caught zero fish. Wait, you really in a caught week. zero fish in yeah. a competition? So, official pre-fish started like uh, Sunday, I think. The Sunday I pulled into town, which was, uh, what was that? Like the the January 31st. Yeah. Okay. End of last month. So okay. I spent the first week of this month trying to catch a fish. You didn't catch any fish all week. At Lake Havasu. Not even one. Uh, I, I, I caught one. Okay. But what you do in pre-fish sometimes, especially in a tough tournament, is we call it shaking them off. Okay. So... Oh, you you get the bite. You see it, and you're like, I don't want that one. Well, you, you feel the bite, right? And then you, you kind of give it some tension. Like, you, you're not trying to intentionally stick the fish. Uh-huh. You give it some tension, and you can see your line kind of getting towed around. Yeah. And I had one on. Um, it was one that my the boater that I was pre-fishing with, he had marked, and he pitched in there. He got bit. He told me he got bit. He shook it off. And so just for fun, you know, yeah. I, as the boat kind of went around the corner, it was just on this little point and I flipped to it and it bit me. And I was like, oh, I want to set the hook so bad right yeah, now. I was so tempted. Um, Cause you try to save that fish for the tournament. I think this was like the oh, day before okay. the tournament actually started so that, you know, he can basically run the boat straight to that point. Yeah. And catch that fish in the tournament. Because you know he's an easy fish. Yeah. He'll bite it. You hope so. He'll bite it. You hope he's going to be there again. It's anyway, such a pro move. Yeah. It's, hey, man, there's strategy involved. I'm but, learning that. So I, I was trying to be respectful of him and kind of his plan. And I that was the one fish I could have for sure caught. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I did not actually lay hands on a That's single rough. fish. Was it at least nice to be out on the water? It was. It, it was nice. It was Lake Havasu. It was, well, it was cold and it rained, which is <laughs> actually, <laughs> so I guess it wasn't that great. It was good for a change of scenery. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, sometime early in that trip, I contracted the COVIDs. And, uh, so. You made so, it so long. <laughs> I know. Almost a, what, a year? Yeah, you, you probably could have been vaccinated in uh, two months or so. Yeah, well, I did not make it the distance. You didn't make it. So I got the COVID and was home all last week and just came out of my quarantine period yesterday officially. And it turns out it's not vacation. Yeah, that was not <laughs> vacation. I, I I've run into a few people here that are like, Ooh, must be nice, man. Or you know, you're just like, yeah. no, it's it was terrible. Yeah. And I can't even say the week before COVID was terrible or, or was good it was because good. it was yeah. it was kind of terrible in its own way. And I don't want to sound it's, ungrateful. I it just sounds like proof that you should just continue working. <laughs> never go outside <laughs> your your typical routine. Yeah. Well, fishing is a part of my routine, and it's just a shame that that's what happened. Anyway, yeah. that's where I've been. So it's been a crazy couple weeks and we haven't had a chance to talk at all, really. L yeah, literally. So zero. we're going in raw on this one. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. 
Um, I've just been here holding down the fort. I chose not to do a pod without you. Why? I was just afraid of it being so wildly successful that <laughs> you would be offended. Yeah, I would have been. If I saw the, the ratings just spike, <laughs> I'd be like, this is what everyone was waiting for. Yeah. A podcast me, without me. Just me alone. I've had nightmares about it. <laughs> no, it just, it honestly, it just didn't feel right to do it by myself. Because it's a group, it's a group thing. You know, it's a team. So right. I didn't want to do it by myself. I mean, I I feel bad for our listeners um, leaving you hanging like that. Oh, we, they're probably we'll, all we'll gone. <laughs> they, they abandoned us so long, long ago. We'll try not to do that that again. Uh, just some crazy circumstances. But what do we we want to go straight into the topic, or do we want? Well, there's been a lot that's happened in the news. There's been a few things today, this morning. You know, Stratasys announced an acquisition. Yep. Of a UK-based company called RPS. It's a stereolithography uh, hardware OEM. So they have currently two machines, SLS machines, under the, it's called the NEO, NEO 450, NEO 800. I'm learning all of this this morning. I wasn't Drinking from a fire hose. Yeah, I really wasn't too familiar with these guys. Uh, prior to that. And uh, that means that the big SLA machine that we have <laughs> underneath <laughs> our building right now is uh, probably going to go back home and we'll we'll get a Neo machine. In okay. I think. So I think. we speculate that this could phase out some of Stratasys' current systems. Yeah, that current SLA system was developed in-house by um, Stratasys uh, Direct Manufacturing. It's their parts as a service Mm -hmm. business unit. And they built it from scratch because they were dealing with older competitive systems that were failing. So they just built it from scratch and then they decided to productize it. And uh, it never really grew from there. So I think this was a play to get a more established foothold into um, SLA. Okay. And a jumpstart into that because it's a more well-rounded solution. They have their own software, they have their own hardware, they have some accessories. So it's a jumpstart there. So that's some pretty big news. Yeah. I mean, it's just a continuation of what Stratasys has said they're going to do. And that is pursue being like the conglomerate of polymer additive manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. So they've picked up a few key uh, acquisitions with Origin now. Yep. This UK-based company RPS. Yep, that's good. We announced a partnership with Exact Metal. Oh right, that was the piece of news. I've, I was like, I know I'm missing something yeah. big here. Yeah, we finally announced. Okay, that. there we go. Um, that's big news for us. It's big news for Exact Metal. Uh, so explain that to the listeners. We just barely announced a partnership with Velo 3D, which is yeah. metal. Why exact metal in addition to that? Okay, so both of these companies create DMLS, you know, metal powder bed fusion type systems. And that's about where the similarities end. Velo comes in at the top end of the market. In my opinion, they're the best in the world at DMLS. Exact metal comes in at the entry level of the market. It's strictly sort of a prototyping system. It's a smaller build envelope, none of the bells and whistles, but they they strip all of that out to keep the cost down. It still has great quality. I have, you know, a dozen parts in my office right now that all look good. And over the past couple of years, we've had them print parts for us. Always been impressed with them, but uh, it's not the same level as something like Velo. And the price point there, the machine starts at 90K. An all-in package is somewhere between like 150 and 200, depending on which machine you choose and what software you choose, which we're going to be getting into software. But some of these softwares that are uh, being sold for support generation for metal additive, also SLA, SLS, anything that's dealing with STL files is relatively expensive. Okay. Surprisingly expensive. 
It's just the way the market is. Okay. So for example, you buy an exact metal. If you buy the base system, you're at 90K. You have some accessories and stuff that you need, like an explosion-proof vacuum and things like that. The software, if you go with something like Magix, which is from Materialize, Materialize supplies mm, software to a lot of SLA, SLS, DMLS users, that is going to run like 15 to 30K to more, more than that. For to own it or? To, to own it. For okay. A perpetual license. Gotcha. A 15K version is like a OEM branded version that is stripped down. So a full-on license of Magix, I think is around 30K. And then they have other tools that do 3D nesting and lattices and things like that. And the price goes up from there. The other option that Exact Metal has is NetFab from Autodesk. And that is not a perpetual license, it's a yearly license. And that ranges from like 5K to 15K a year, depending on what you get. Gotcha. And so I'm not too hot on either one of those. Those are the softwares that they're using right now. We have a relationship with Altair. Altair's product Inspire is a sweet platform. I love that software. They have a module for support creation. I'm going to try to use that. Cool. Because for, you know, somewhere in the 5 to 7K range, you get a perpetual license that does support generation, but also topology optimization, some basic simulation, uh, and some other tools. It's really cool. Yeah. Actually, the way they license, Altair licenses, is you buy credits. And those credits can be used to open up any product in their suite. So you're not buying a single product, you're buying access to a platform, which I would like to see more and more. Do you have to choose how you use those credits at the start of the year? No. You can... You close one software, open another software. Cool, all right. So it's just how many credits are you using concurrently? Some programs use more credits than others, but for the most part, you buy in at an entry level and it gives you, it opens up a whole suite of tools. I like it. I would like to see more CAD vendors go that direction. And 3D experience platform is sort of going in that direction, but it's not quite the same. Gotcha. So yeah, exact metal. We will have one of those machines. Exciting. That's exciting. And you're gonna try and use Inspire. Uh, For the support generation. Cool. Yeah. All right. I have a whole bunch of different softwares that I'm hoping to learn this year and use more. I know Inspire pretty well, but because of Stratus's expanding their portfolio into SLA, the DLP, some other things that we're looking forward to, and with Exact Metal, like we're going to have our hands on some new technologies that kind of necessitate new softwares. Yeah which we're going to have to soak a lot of it up because there's a lot to handle right now. There is a lot to handle. And the topic of the day is CAD. And what's interesting, I mean, even today where we're really dealing with FDM and Polyjet, I have have tons of software installed on my laptop. And I kind of need to know how to use all of them a little bit. Yeah. And I need to know how to use them together. Which is... Challenging. It is challenging. Especially with the the way that they change. But yeah, let's, one more bit of news. Okay. Before we jump into that um, main topic for the day, the material Stratasys just released yeah, you for their machines. That? Sure. Uh, it's a carbon fiber ABS. We kind of teased it. <laughs> yeah, we did. And we didn't say that Stratasys was going to come out with it, uh, but... It is a Stratasys material. It'll be released for the F123 series. Um, it won't be released for the entire series, just the F170, 270, and 370, yeah. and potentially on future platforms as well. What we know is that you won't need any hardware changes to run this material, which, you know, if you're familiar at all with like industrial systems or maybe some of your hobby level systems as well, They'll require like a hardened um, head 
head as well as maybe some of the the Y blocks and stuff inside the machine. This uh, won't require any hardware changes on the F123 series. They are going to release a specific head for it, um, but it's not required. Yeah. So it'll just hopefully give you some prolonged life. It'll be a little uh, bit more durable. Yeah. But that's exciting news. It's a yeah. 10% carbon um, yeah. added material, and it should help lighten up a standard ABS. And they 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 released some media with it. They showed a little video with like a, a spring that was loaded with some weight in tension. I haven't seen any of this. Okay. So they just had a side-by-side -side of their standard ABS with the ABS carbon fiber, and they had a spring loaded in tension, and the standard ABS stretched yeah. A little bit further. Yeah. So it was, it was an okay visual. Yeah. I mean, the the composite materials, I I would love to see more and more of those. Um, you know, another interesting thing is that the whole MakerBot line came under our portfolio recently. And I had to develop some materials for that. So I took the time to learn about like the method, the method X. And, um, you know, I'm actually pretty hot on those for individual engineers. Like yeah. People, people who want something a little bit more than, you know, a typical hobbyist machine, they have some cash to spend, but they're not building a business around it. Perhaps, um, these, these MakerBot systems are actually pretty decent. Yeah. They look really good. Um, in terms of what I've seen so far. Yeah. I've read a lot about past MakerBot systems, uh, mixed reviews for sure well, out there. Yeah, it depends on how far back you go, but you have several generations and this latest generation carries quite a bit of technology from the F-Series down to the MakerBot series. Yeah. So we're going to get one in-house, right? I are, think are we going to get a MakerBot? So. I think so. For sure, we will have some MakerBots within the organization. I don't know if we'll have one here. Okay. Hopefully sure. we can get our hands on it or at least have some some of our one AEs. Of our colleagues will. Yeah. yeah. And we do a pretty good job of information sharing. So hopefully yeah. we can relay that to everybody and kind of give you our honest opinion on on what we think about these new Method X systems. And they they at least on paper, their website looks really good. Um, everything that I've seen, it seems legit. And I know that it's in a weird spot in terms of price point because it's an expensive machine, but it's really not that expensive. I don't think yeah. for what you're getting. They, I think they're on sale right now. The regular method I think is 4K, but you're really looking at between five and 8K, I believe, retail. So not something you're just going to go buy on a whim. Yeah, you need a good reason for it. Yeah. But- one of the good reasons right now with people quarantining and staying home is having kind of that more industrial style system available at home. So maybe maybe companies that normally would have spent forty, fifty thousand dollars on a higher end system, yeah, are thinking about, well, let's buy some mid grade systems and get those at our engineers' yeah. homes. I can imagine a scenario where I feel like it could be useful to my work. I would I would feel comfortable going to a superior and, and approaching them about a five to eight K purchase and not having to come with them like a like approach them with a full justification. Yeah. And then if I was coming at them with fifty K, hundred K, two hundred K. Right. You know. Yeah. It's a different scenario. Which I'll hey. Now that we have a, a system in our portfolio that's almost two million, it really puts things into perspective. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So maybe we can kind of use that as uh, a way to to jump this conversation into CAD, the the price conversation. Um, well, maybe let's get into the price later. Actually, yeah. let's just talk about let's CAD. And I want to I want to hear your history of CAD. <laughs> All right. Um, so my history actually is pretty long, but basic. And I don't know how common my experience is, but I can't imagine there's a ton of people out there 
just like me, but I, at the same time, I'm sure there's plenty that have had a similar growth path. I started back in high school. Um, we had a, I think I, I think it was like an architecture class, and I started with AutoCAD, so 2D CAD, and there was an advanced um, CAD course kind of hooked onto the back end of that that I ended up taking SolidWorks. And in high school? In high school, yeah. Wow. So this so was back. This? this was back in like 2006. Okay. Um, I was a junior in high school, I think, when I started um, playing with SolidWorks. Wow. And so I was really good. I, I like took to AutoCAD really quickly and I had so much fun with it. So SolidWorks was an obvious next level. Quick question. Sure. Do you feel like that experience with the 2D software helped you? Yeah. You do? For sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have, I had this. I have like a time capsule that I keep um, with really? some old like just trinkets. Oh, I guess I do too. And I, 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 it's just a cardboard box. <laughs> I never call yeah, it a time capsule. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what mine is too. But it's it has a drawing that I made. It was probably sometime after seeing Little Rascals when I was a little kid. Yeah. And it was this little go-kart with full suspension. <laughs> and I have on graph paper, like it's a technical drawing. And it's just funny because I didn't know what a technical drawing was back then, but I yeah. was legit laying this thing out like I was going to make it. And it was kind of this like trash can with some shocks and wheels on it. And I had the wheels picked out at, at the hardware store, like some lawnmower parts and trampoline springs, you name it. Like it That's was awesome. kind of this Frankenstein. But I have this. So technically, um, I was always kind of thinking up things and drawing things. So when AutoCAD came, to me, I was like so excited yeah. to actually have okay, a legitimate way to draw. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I picked up AutoCAD really fast. And then I remember SolidWorks, obviously, you add a whole new dimension. And it was fun. And we did this. I think that what pushed me the furthest in my learning process was SolidWorks because the course only teaches you like very, very, very basic stuff. Um, but knowing how to draw in 2D helps you with SolidWorks and then you're extruding and you're doing things like that. We had this Pinewood Derby competition at the state college. And so I had to model up this Pinewood Derby car. And, you know, it's just like when you're a little kid doing the Pinewood Derby competition, there was always that kid that did like the school bus, right? They just paint the block of wood yeah. into a school bus because they don't want to cut it. They don't, they're just lazy, you know? Yeah. Um, there were those kids, even with, with CAD products, with SolidWorks, there were still the school bus kids. And then there were the kids that basically did the straight extrusion from the side. It looked like a Porsche from the side, but then you turn it into an isometric view and it's just like this boxy square looking thing. Yeah. yeah. And so same deal. I wanted to make mine really cool. And I remember it was just a ton of like I made all these planes on these angles and stuff, and I basically just carved at the block with these planes, and I trimmed this thing into a shape, and I filleted all the yeah. kind of edges to make yeah. it look like a legitimate 3D model. I think that's model. Like a necessary step everyone goes through where it's like, I, I know I should be surface modeling this. But I don't know how to surface model. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah, I was I was pathetic, but <laughs> but that's how I made it, and I tricked yeah. I tricked it. Yeah. I mean, I essentially came up with it. That's half of I think what makes a person good at CAD is achieving what you envision, any way you can get there. Like, yeah, there's no one right way to do it. There are ways that will make your life easier down the road for but sure. The end result is what is important. Absolutely. And I would suggest to anybody that's getting into CAD, we're going to talk about a bunch of them today, but just philosophy talk here. Yeah. If you want to learn CAD, you need to do some reverse engineering. I and agree. I actually agree with um, that. It, you're going to think this is dumb, but like you could start with something as simple as like a doorknob yeah. or a light switch or something that has like a basic shape to it, but it's 3D. Mm -hmm. And you'll be surprised how difficult at first it is yeah. because your brain, you don't understand how all the tools work within a tool. 
Um, and you'll, you're going to look back just like I do on this Pinewood Derby car and think, man, the way I modeled that up was yeah. so dumb. I agree a hundred percent with that. I think that if you can simplify the process by taking the ingenuity out, like take, take the engineering aspect out of it. You're not trying to create something. I know probably you eventually want to, mm -hmm. but you need to learn to use the tool first. Look around you and pick something out and model it to the best of your ability. And what you'll find is that it will be hard at first. And then you'll get something where you'll look at it and think, okay, if I showed this to somebody, they would recognize what it is. But you will know what you didn't model, right? You will look at all of the tiny little details that either you know are going to take an inordinate amount of time to do or you just don't know how to do them. And to achieve like a real 100% replica of something is gonna take an order of magnitude more yeah. effort than just the basic shape. Right. Especially once you get to like textures and appearances and things like that. Yeah, and I would say <clears throat> from a mechanical standpoint, choose something that it, it's gonna appear too simple. Like you're gonna look at things like a light switch or like a little, turn knob like there on your, your microphone start simple. Uh, clamp. It, it, you need to start simple because you're going to start to realize relatively quickly your limitations. It's not necessarily software limitations. Yeah. Um, you're going to think that it's like, I, I, I don't know if that's human nature or maybe it's just me, but like initially you're going to be like, man, this program sucks or I, I don't know how to uh -huh. do this. Like this program can't do this shape yeah, or whatever, me. but <laughs> Eventually, you're going to find as you get more mature with it, wow, no, 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 this is how I would approach that. And so many of the things that I did, um, I did this motorcycle seat once in in SolidWorks. I think I did eight versions, which maybe to some people that sounds like a, a lot, maybe to others that sounds like a little, but eight separate times I went from scratch oh, wow. to end product. And like you said, the first one was a little boxy. Yeah. I mean, think of it like like the video games over the years, right? Like they started out really boxy and now they almost look real. Uh, it started out like yeah. that. Like it, even though it was my vision, like what I wanted this to look like in the end, I knew after version one that it was just like a, it was just kind of a representation. Mm-hmm. And not a very good one yeah. of what I really wanted. So I go to version two, three, it gets a little better. I change my process, four, five, six, seven. Every one of those, I tried something new or I learned something to where version eight was the model that matched the image that I had in my mind for what that motorcycle seat was going to look like. So it's important to understand and accept that it's all part of the process. Yeah. You can't skip it. You know, you might be able to move rapidly through some of the stages, particularly because you have access to t so many inspirational, you know, photos and people documenting and you have a access to a lot of training materials, but you're going to undershoot every time, oh, yeah. <laughs> every time. And you have to accept it. You just have to understand, like, this is a journey. Yeah, for sure. And my journey from there from kind of high school on, I kind of didn't do anything because I didn't go to college right out of high school. So I wasn't modeling very much at all. Uh, and then I decided I wanted to get a job. Um, my buddy was becoming a mechanical engineer at the local college. He was using SolidWorks a bunch. I wanted to machine some parts for a motorcycle. So I kind of started using his SolidWorks mm -hmm. a little bit here and there. And we got into machining things at the same time and it was all motorcycle driven. So it's like we were doing two and a half D machining and we were using this, uh, I think a program called V carve okay, to do, to do, okay. uh, the two and a half D, uh, cam operations. Yeah. And it, it's so funny to like think back to this because it was all so basic, but we were making pretty cool parts. And anyway, I ended up getting a job, um, with Ben, uh, my buddy, and at that company we used Creo. Okay. So I kind of trans transitioned to 
my my SolidWorks knowledge into Creo. So and that helped quite a bit. I, I imagine so because they're both parametric modelers, mm -hmm. and you cut your teeth on a parametric modeler. Yep. Uh, and that transition between parametric modelers should not be that difficult. Right. And that's probably what we're going to talk a lot about today as well, because for me, it was just getting a job done, right? I didn't care. And we had actually access to SolidWorks and Creo at this company. We used uh, SolidWorks kind of more as like our sandboxing tool. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a lot of intellectual property at this company. So it was a lot of idea making. You, you would draw it on paper first, obviously, um, to an extent, just yeah. to rough out an idea. But you wanted to fail fast. And so the way we did that was in the 3D workspace where it didn't cost as much to fail. And we would use SolidWorks mainly for that. And then we would use Creo for like our official drawings and our official technical drawings and models. And that's what we use primarily uh, to send to our machinists. And do you know what the reason for that was? Why was there that? I think separation? it was legacy. I think it was just legacy stuff. Like they'd been making these diamond presses for um, dozens of years. And I think Creo was kind of like the first program they used or pro engineer yeah. Yeah. was the first program they used to kind of take it into the 3d space. And so it was just a lot of legacy that stuff. Happens. And uh, you know, for an organization to change CAD platforms is quite involved. It's expensive right. and there's challenges which is why organizations put a lot of effort and thought into choosing a platform that they can grow into. And, and that's big and not everyone is, thinks of it. Right. I, I guarantee there's a bunch of people listening right now that are using one of those free CAD tools that you can find online. Um, I, I'm not going to name a, a bunch because one, I, I can't, I don't have them all memorized. And yeah. two, I've been fortunate enough not to have to use those. Um, I don't want to sound spoiled, but whether it was through student licenses when at college or, or whatever, I've always been, I have, I've always had access to inventor Creo yeah. or SolidWorks or some sort of more professional, um, CAD program. But to that point, I would say to people like find your way to get a free license of a more industrial, widely used CAD platform versus like a free platform, because we've talked about it a little bit here. The knowledge transfers over. You can use it. And um, with those lower grade systems, there are going to be fewer similarities and uh, yeah. to be able to transition to like a legitimate program. I agree with that. You know, no, no CAD is worse than, than that option. Yeah. Like, oh not, yeah. Not doing anything. Right. But make an effort, I would say. 3D Experience World just happened while you were gone. Yep. And they announced a maker version of SolidWorks. Were you aware of this? No. Yeah. It's That's a cool. New, it's a new program. So you can go to their website. You just Google it, SolidWorks maker version. It should be the first option. And there's a small application process, but... I think it's a hundred dollars a year and it gets you SolidWorks professional. So worth it. it so worth, worth it. You can't be making money on I it. I didn't know that. It's brand new. That's cool. As of last week. I'm going to look into this. Um, and to kind of just cap off my experience real quick. So yeah. I don't have to go back to it ever again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and this will help transition too, because at that same job, our, our, Boss was a little eccentric and he would come up with these crazy ideas sometimes. And he came up with this idea to get everyone using Fusion 360. Uh-huh. Um, at this point, I'm pretty CAD agnostic. Like I don't, I don't really care. I understand how to use most of them. And they're kind of all the same in a way. Uh, they all have their quirks and they'll you'll have like that little learning curve for the first week or two. Yeah. It's because they're all running off that Siemens Parasolid kernel. Yeah. The and underlying code for anything like, well, not Fusion, but Inventor, SolidWorks, Solid Edge, tons of other tools. They're all built off the same. That's a good kernel. tidbit to know. Yeah. There, I, I mean, there were for sure things I missed f that I really liked in Creo. Um, yeah. 
you know, assemblies and uh, I thought putting assemblies together in the 3D space in Creo was pretty fun and pretty intuitive and good. I also like sketching in Creo, how you could use the datum planes and the datum, the axes as part of your sketch without having to like illicitly call it out, yeah. which you have to do in a lot of programs. Yeah. Um, pretty much every program I've used besides Creo. But anyway, we started using Fusion 360 and I think uh, the goal of my boss was just to get everyone to understand CAD CAM mm -hmm. and start doing some of their own machining. He also offered to get us uh, all router tables so that we could learn and understand That's cool. um, CAM processes. So, and that's what we did. If you committed to to using Fusion 360, he would get you that router table, which Is that I how didn't. you got your yep. X car? Yep. Uh, cool. The Shapeoko. The Shapeoko, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Ben and I both had one and we went nuts. We, that's like cool. we were the perfect people for it because we were all about machining at that point in time. We had access to these Tormox and it was really fun because even though we had Tormox, we were using V-Carve, which was only two and a half D. Yeah. So moving to Fusion 360 took us into a new realm of capability. Now all of a sudden we're machining 3D parts. Yeah. And it unlocked a new level for us. So Speaking I kind of went all over the place with my experience. Got it. Speaking of the uh, Tormach real quick, I'm excited to move into the new building because that means we will be able to run our Tormach during business hours without yeah. upsetting anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I've used it here, which is once, yeah, I remember just getting the dirtiest looks like people looking through the window and I was like a newish employee at the time. <laughs> and so I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? I thought this was... Yeah. They have a tour mock. They must use it. Yeah. And no, no. now that I've been here for a minute, we don't use it a ton. No. We need to. It's because it's it's an office building. Yeah. But we have a more dedicated space coming up. My first CAD tool was Pro-E, Wildfire. And I hated it. So this was 2004. Okay. And I had no experience. This was in freshman year. Uh, at university. I had no experience prior to this. I enjoyed drawing, like pencil drawing, yeah. you know, art and stuff like that. I went into mechanical engineering simply because my dad was an electrical engineer and I wanted to be an engineer, I thought. And so we have this first semester CAD class and I that software was not user friendly at all. First of all, it ran on the Unix servers that we had. So there was no Windows like experience. <laughs> I barely knew how to log into the computers. And uh, we didn't bring SolidWorks into that program until my senior year. So my first experiences with CAD were very poor and I wrote it off. I was like, I don't like this. I didn't see the light. Yeah. And then we started using SOLIDWORKS my senior year. And I thought, oh, this is actually kind of cool. I can, I can see myself using this. And I got an internship at BD Medical. We were using SOLIDWORKS there. And then my first job after that internship, I was using SOLIDWORKS. And I just had always used SOLIDWORKS since then. So the lesson there is like if you start using a CAD tool and you're trying to do this reverse engineering and you feel like you're fighting the tool more than just the struggle of just learning in general, <coughs> then maybe use a different tool. I, I think most, most tools now are a lot more user-friendly. But for example, if you were to pull up like Blender, Blender is actually a really tough CAD tool to learn right out the get-go. And I understand it's a first tool for many because it's free, mm -hmm. but it is a very intimidating tool. I would not recommend cutting your teeth on something like Blender. Try to find something that's a little bit more intuitive and user-friendly. Which is tough to say to someone who hasn't used CAD. Right. If I, if I was to recommend to anyone what to start with, it's gonna be weird and you're not going to like this uh, -oh. uh it's fusion 360 yeah it will mess with your mind a little uh, maybe not as a beginner as much 
But as someone maybe who has a little experience in some other program, it did for me because it's a, a full new way to think about building an assembly, for example. Yeah. But building parts is essentially the same in any program. That's true. You 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 start with a sketch and you extrude it or you you create with some way to form the shape. And I really liked Fusion for the ability to it's cheap. Yeah. Um, that's kind of why I like the, I, this new maker SolidWorks that you're talking about. It sounds like this could be a lot of people's path. Yeah, you can't deny what Fusion 360 is, and I won't. But I will say, if you envision yourself pursuing a career mm -hmm. in mechanical CAD, don't learn Fusion 360 thinking like, that everything else is everything just like that. Everything else is Fusion 360. Yeah. And that's what you'll be using in industry because you very, very likely will not. Yeah. There, maybe in a startup, but if you're going to a legitimate company, they're not using Fusion. No. And, they're, and, and there, there are down uh, process reasons for that, which is right. one of the reasons why I asked you about Creo because there are these different levels of CAD tools and SOLIDWORKS is considered more of an entry level in industry. Mm -hmm. where you have something like Katia or NX as sort of the higher level above that. And uh, and Creo was in the past, probably not so much anymore. Huh. Creo is all legacy. Yeah. From where I sit, Creo is all used by DOD and people who haven't updated their processes in 15 years. Yeah. 10 years. It's a good tool, though. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's just been... It's worth knowing. So if you're afraid to, like... I wouldn't in, go out of my way to learn it. Creo? Let's, well, hold on. Let's back up for a second. I'm afraid okay. of the messages we might be sending to people who okay. have never used CAD before because we're opinionated. True. Um, and we all have our opinions, but I don't want anyone to be intimidated to learn a CAD platform, really regardless of what it is. But I understand what you're saying. Like, don't get too wrapped up. Um, in any one program right True. now. But if you are, and this is gonna sound very biased, um, but I would say this, because I've, I'm multilingual, air quote, multilingual in CAD processes, I'm gonna try and be as unbiased as possible. I have always found myself gravitating towards SolidWorks. Um, and if you look at, you know, what West Coast Choppers and like all these, these TV shows, they're CAD guys. If you look at what they're using, if they're not saying, just look at it, a yeah. lot of times it's SolidWorks. Right. And so SolidWorks will get your foot in the door pretty much anywhere that does CAD modeling. Um, and it's a professional tool. You did say, you mentioned that it was kind of like more the on the low end of the professional tools, but that's going to open more doors than any other program There's out more there. users of SOLIDWORKS than any of the other quote higher end tools right. out there. And more companies. And more that companies. That means your net right. you're casting in terms of if you're looking to transition this into a right. job. But what I'm what I'm broad. saying is like as complete as SOLIDWORKS is, there is there are there, better there, tools. There are tools out there that are more complete than SOLIDWORKS. Now SOLIDWORKS is a great balance of user friendliness and functionality. For sure. Yeah. I, I I would suggest if there's an if they're making an entry level way into SolidWorks. Yeah, give that a shot. I don't know all the details and I don't know what the selection process looks like, but I my understanding is that you just apply, you probably get put into contact with a company like us, and we verify some things. And um it, at that point it might not be a bad idea to get some training to to get rolling with the software because you're being handed some software that's fairly complete and includes some good simulation tools and things like that. You know what I forgot to mention? What's that? <laughs> I used Inventor too at a past job. Oh yeah. So Which, yeah. It, yeah. It's the same as, uh, this is actually a funny conversation. While I worked with Inventor at this company, it was a small company that was really growing quickly and almost too fast for its own britches. <laughs> yeah. And we needed a better tool, um, but the designs were simple and the assemblies were, a lot of them, 
I would say the average was maybe five, eight parts in an assembly. So pretty simple stuff. But we needed PDM. We needed some more organizational tools to keep it flowing. Yeah. And at that point in time, we're considering getting standalone PDM or the kind of these piggyback PDMs that would go on top of Inventor. And that opened up the conversation to, hey, maybe we should switch CAD tools. Yeah. And it's actually a common point in an organization's journey where they start realizing that we need to make a change. Where are we going to go when it comes to file management? Yeah. PDM. Yep. Big time. And I liked Inventor. It took me a long time to actually get to like it. I think I would prefer Creo or SolidWorks way before Inventor. Yeah. Um, it's just too many clicks. It's very clicky. Uh, and the people who are in it, if you look on the forums, they'll defend it to their death. Yeah. Uh, so I'm probably making a lot of people yeah. mad right now. I don't think there's a whole lot of Inventor users nowadays. I think a lot of them. it. Yeah. I mean, I, I do see some people still using yeah. it in uh, one. I just don't know what Autodesk is going to do with that tool. I don't either. And Fusion to me is better than Inventor. Yeah. Fusion uh, in terms of an Autodesk product. So anyway. That reminds me of a tool that got me into <laughs> using Rhino. And? So Rhino had this. Enlighten us. <laughs> Rhino is another CAD tool and it's not... People do use it for mechanical CAD, but... Uh, it's mostly artistic. I would say it's more of a conceptual tool. I think that's where it's most wisely used as a conceptual tool and also uh, industrial design tool, whereas mechanical CAD tools, parametric modelers, is more for designing things for manufacturing, yeah. whereas industrial design is more for appearances and selling an idea. But Rhino has some really cool add-ins. Originally, they had one called T-Splines. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you know the history of T-Splines? So, I don't know the history, but I've used them. Yeah, T-Splines, they had an add-in originally for Rhino, and then they developed an add-in for SolidWorks. And I was like, oh, great. So I got my hands on that, and I was using it for a few months in SolidWorks. And T-Splines was this push-pull, direct editing the best. capability. And then Autodesk Push -pull surfaces. Yeah. Autodesk and edges and things like that. Autodesk purchased T-splines. Mm -hmm. They brought the uh, ability, they brought that functionality into Inventor. They killed the SolidWorks add-in. Pretty sure they killed the Rhino add-in. And bon voyage to T-splines. It became an Autodesk thing. And now the functionality that you see in Fusion, mm -hmm. the direct editing push-pull type stuff is rooted in that T-splines add-in. Yeah, and I will say the only shortcoming in my past experience with SolidWorks was and Creo was trying to develop good surfaces. Yeah. Um, we both have a mechanical background versus an artistic background. Um, but if you are kind of more artistic, the T-spline, the push-pull stuff mm -hmm. is going to appeal to you. That's nice. Because... Um, it's just much easier to generate shapes that you're thinking in your mind versus having to yeah. like think of how do I make an extrusion that'll right. be closest to this shape. Or So nowadays, if I wanted that functionality and I wanted a, a platform that I could grow into, I would go over to Altair and okay. the Inspire platform because Altair has awesome push-pull capabilities. They're called polynerves. And like we were talking about, you buy credits, that cr those credits grant you access to a whole uh, variety of tools. Mm -hmm. um, one of those is called Studio, Altair Studio or Inspire Studio. It's a conceptual tool, pretty similar to Rhino and has some of those capabilities, but it also gives you some great CAD and simulation tools as well. Yeah. If you're and, into that. Right, and we're, I, I just to back up real quick, like we're talking, more geared towards mechanical design, obviously, but these tools are so, they have specific modules. They have these other things that make them really good or bad for certain things. Right. And I guess what we're both saying, if you found us because of 3D printing, if you're just wanting to come up with designs, um, there are probably other, I know my little brother is a graphic designer and he used, he showed me some, kind of CAD 
that he had on his, and it was like a lot of push pull. Mm-hmm. It was very sketch like. It was yeah. cool how how he manipulated three D parts, but he ran it all on his iPad. And so there are cool tools yeah. out there. I guess what Tyler and I are mostly saying is, uh, in, in the industrial space, mechanical space, um, these are kind of the the major tools that, that are out there. Right. And I would say, again, um, like mechanical engineering. Yeah. My Broad, broadly speaking. Yeah, and you can still. That's not to say that I can't create these. Um, cool organic looking shapes using any of these tools because I can now that I'm experienced, but it might be easier in another software. But as you mature as a designer or a a 3D modeler, you'll start to understand and know the whys of why you're using a program or why you ought to maybe look into another one. I mean, I have a friend who just purchased a little like three-in-one machine. So it's a printer, it's a little router, and a little laser. Is it any good? He lives in Colorado, but he's shown me some of the stuff he's made. What does that have to do with it being good? Well. Poor Colorado guy. No, I'm just saying I haven't seen it, the machine in person. I don't think we have a single listener in Colorado, by the way. Oh, really? So hit your friend up. Yeah. So um, he just wants to be able to use the machine. You know, and he's got some cool ideas for things around the house, which mm-hmm. I assume a lot of people who get into 3D printing on that level come from that background. I think he's using Tinkercad. He might Ugh. be using like FreeCAD or Tinkercad. Just There's, the name of it makes me not want to ever use it. He was using SketchUp Pro. I you hate SketchUp. Like you have a lot of different CAD tools down there. And again, if 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 that's the extent of your interest, like you just want to create stuff around your house, Use whatever you have available to you. But with this, if you can spend a bit of money, SolidWorks for Makers could be an option. Fusion 360 is, honestly, it's a decent option. Yeah, and I guess it always comes back to jobs, it seems like for me. But it's yeah. like, if you're going to learn a tool, these are valuable skills that you're 100%. learning. That's so actually true. It's an important point. Why would you spend your time in SketchUp, no offense to SketchUp or or right. one of these tools where it's like, how do you market that in the future? There's you, a, you can tell people that, yeah, I learned this yeah. program, but an employer's gonna be like, man, we, we re- really wish you would have spent that time in right. SolidWorks or Inventor right. or something else. That's an excellent point. Like if you are listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you have an interest in an industry that is growing rapidly and it's a possibility that you could get a job as a CAD designer, a draftsman, a 3D print technician with little experience, but a lot of initiative. And it's going to, you're going to be set up that much better if you are using a tool that's well known in the industry. Yeah. You know, and using something like SolidWorks is a no brainer in my mind. I agree. And I, Tyler's kind of smirking at me like, man, does this sound too advertisy? I know I know, right? I know he's thinking it. I know. It's just the it's, reality of it. Well, and that's like the unfortunate side of we we work for a company that happens to sell SolidWorks. Go right. to goengineer.com. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it it really is. And we're saying this because yeah. we've had experience with other tools and we're constantly learning software. And we've gone through that kind of We've gone yeah. through that process with so many softwares and a lot we've left behind because it's like these stink. Yeah. And we'll tell you straight up, like the SolidWorks is not a bad platform and it does work for the majority of mechanical designs and designers out there. And uh, it it's a good tool. I there in fact, even it's it's um it's cam is pretty good. I would say even inventors cam is pretty good. So if you're looking to also design and do some cam work as well, like maybe you get a router table, these are also good tools to kind of help you learn that process. Um, I mentioned Blender briefly. Do you have much experience with that realm of CAD tool? Is Blender like like figurine modeling and like more? No. 
Because that's a whole different category. And right. I didn't know if you'd re- you could call it CAD because it's technically... You can create a 3D design. file. Yeah. I have, ex- I have dabbled <laughs> in pretty much everything. What do you think of it? Uh, I mean, Blender is actually, for what it is, it's an open... I think it's open source. It's definitely free. It's actually really powerful, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot of effort into create, creating a good UI, and they don't have a great UI. But you can... You, you could learn Blender and you could go into a lot of different industries. But Blender is kind of based on, uh, it's, it's a similar tool to like 3DS Max. Sounds like a bad dating app. Blender, <laughs> yeah. 3DS Max, um, Maya. Okay. Um, what are some other tools like that that I've used? If ZBrush. we failed to confuse you at this point, yeah, ZBrush <laughs> we're not is doing our job. You know, unique. Do you know ZBrush? Uh-uh. I've been dealing with um, this stop motion film. We've been okay. printing parts for the stop yeah, motion yeah. film, and they're all designed in ZBrush. ZBrush is really cool. I've used it. I've created what appears to be deformed potatoes <laughs> <laughs> that are supposed to be people. Yeah, or like dragons and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they look like potatoes. It's a, it's like a digital clay software. Gotcha. And if you're a sculptor, I mean, it's amazing. Like it's amazing. And uh it, the imagine the detail on a sculpture where you could get down into the pores of the skin and things like that. So that's actually a good point to bring up. Like it's going to be industry specific. Yeah, for sure. So if you have goals to make a certain thing or yeah. to be working at a certain place, find out what they're using. Right. Find out what their peers are using. And, and there's a good chance that maybe they're using something that's way out of the realm of what you could be using. For mm-hmm. example, like in broadcasting, they use Avid for cutting film and stuff like that. But you're not going to go get your hands on Avid. You're going to learn on Final Cut Pro or mm-hmm. Adobe Premiere. And they'll accept that because no one expects an industry. And same thing with Katia. You're not going to go get your hands on Katia. If you want to work at Boeing yeah. and you learn that they use Katia, you're not going to get your hands on Katia. And you're, and if you do, As you're not going to be able to use it. Yeah. Right. So, but try to get in that same family, in that same realm. You know, if you want to get into into video effects, then Blender might be good. Cinema 4D might be good. That sort of thing. If you want to get into mechanical engineering, SolidWorks, Fusion 360, like there's some silos in here yeah. when it comes to CAD. Architecture, Revit, right? Ar- Archicad. Archicad, um, DraftSite, which is in the SolidWorks family, Oof. which is 2D, but it gets <laughs> to start. Yeah, it is. It's... There are a ton of tools out there, so don't feel overwhelmed. Just know. um, Pick one and learn it. Pick one, learn it, commit to it. It's going to be annoying in the beginning. I've watched two of my buddies go through this process. I remember feeling the same way. But if you don't push through it and you don't have a reason to push through it, that's the other thing. If you have this model that you really, really want, that's going to make learning so much better. I have an idea. Sure. So one one way you can learn is go to a, a website like GrabCAD, GrabCAD.com, uh-huh. and download models, open them in whatever software you have, search for the native models. So yeah. in GrabCAD, you can set filters that says, only show me uh, SOLIDWORKS models or whatever. What open program those. that you have, yeah, you want to find models that have been modeled in that program, exactly. a native Open them file. up. And especially if they're tree-based or history-based, go through and figure out whoever drew this, how do they do it? Yeah. That's one of the best ways. Pick it apart. It's like the reverse engineering, but with some of the steps done for you. Yeah, that's actually a great way. And that's something that I did not do um, when I first started. I just was like going flying by the seat of my pants. And I think in, and just so you know, Autodesk is our arch nemesis, but we're still <laughs> we're still talking. You know, there are still good things yeah. to be learned by accessing some of their tools. I've, but you can go in SolidWorks. I think SolidWorks and Fusion both offer just in the software itself yeah. some 
user built models that are built there that tutorials. you can yeah that you can pick apart. I took a college course in SolidWorks as well, even though I already knew it, um, and I still picked up some things, yeah. even though it was an entry level course. And I think e even if you don't want a degree, that college course I think cost six hundred bucks or something mm -hmm. like that for that semester. Totally worth it. Yeah. Um, there's tons of free training on YouTube. It's just a little scattered. We have online training that's self-paced. So if, if you are doing this as part of a profession, you could pay $2,500 and get all of our online self-paced training for a year, all of it, which is actually pretty good because yeah, normally in ton. person, in person, these classes are $1,300 of each. That actually brings up a good point. What's that? Resources. Yeah. It might be best to pick a a tool that has a lot of good online content. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. SolidWorks is big in that way as well. Yeah. Um, that's And that's part of the reason why some companies choose one tool over the other. Like Cam Software is a great example. Cam Software, there are so many competing softwares out there that a lot of times organizations will choose a software based on who they know, uh, like who can they hire that knows the software. Mm -hmm. And in the same realm, people should choose software knowing that there's resources out there to learn it. Absolutely. How are we doing on time? Uh, we're right there. We're right at about an hour. Any last, any last words? Any words of wisdom? Just what I said before. Oh, well, sorry, I won't interrupt you. Go okay. ahead. I, I was going to say it's really simple. Pick a software, stick with it. If you feel like you're fighting the software, maybe reevaluate, but it's going to take some patience. You're going to suck at it. You will you, fight through it in the beginning, so yeah. don't don't quit too early. But stick with it. Yep. And understand that the only person you're hurting if you quit is yourself. Ouch. No, I'm I'm wow, serious. that's a good call you to action you slash. Can't, you can't compare yourself against people who have been doing this for 20 years yeah. or people whose profession it is to do it and they're in the software for 12 hours a day. You, It's easy to compare yourself against that because that's what you'll go on social media and see, mm -hmm. but it's unfair to yourself and you're only hurting yourself if you do that. Yeah, and on that note, I, I still see people online that create these renderings or these finished assemblies. Uh, I'm really interested in off-road racing and chassis design and that sort of thing. And I see some of these models and I'm like, oh my gosh, the time. Yeah. Like I I just do enough modeling to get a technical drawing. That's a great point. The, uh, like I don't do these realistic renderings and I'm not, I've never done to date. Yeah. I've done partial full full build outs, but I'll do it on a segment of yeah. the chassis. I yeah. don't do it on the whole car or the whole motorcycle. That's a great point. I'm going to call one person out and you know exactly who I'm <laughs> yeah. going to call out. Yep. It's 3D Magic Mike. And I love the guy. He does awesome work. I don't know him personally, but he does awesome work, but it's just gratuitous, right? If, if you brought that work into, uh, an organization like an interview or something, they would have serious concerns about like how much extra time, how much time are you wasting doing yeah. this stuff? And you would have to, there would be a discussion there. You'd have to justify it, which I'm sure he could. But I would just, love to get him on to talk about that, that seriously. justification, because I know who he works for too is Roadster Shop. Yeah. And if you look at their attention to detail and their models and kind of just their chassis builds and that sort of thing, it's high. So it would be interesting to kind of get that perspective on why he got into taking designs to the nth degree. Right. What does he get out of it? Yeah. And, I, he definitely and, gets Instagram followers. <laughs> and that, that might be the sole reason. It honestly could be the sole reason he goes through that extra effort is because it's what attracts. Hopefully uh, we'll find out attention. soon. You know, but it's true. You know what yeah, I mean? It has nothing absolutely. to do with what he's what he's doing. And if that generates marketable traits for yourself, then by all means do Agreed. it. But it's unfair if someone looks at that and thinks that's the what norm. everybody does. That's the norm. It's, yeah, it's, it's not. not the norm. You know, if you have a
grip and you've got the neurals carved into that grip in your CAD model or the threads in all your nuts and bolts, in all honesty, you're hurting yourself. And your computer. The performance performance of your assembly and things like that. It's not sound practice, but if it's for marketing or if it's for art or if it's just for the pleasure of doing it, great. But understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So we pretty much covered everything. We've probably opened up a lot of questions. If you guys have questions, gals, if you have questions too, um, write us an email. Our, our emails are still up. We've got a few inquiries so far. Um, I do want to mention that India jumped into, oh. I believe, second or third place. So they hopscotched Australia. Now you're falling in the ranks. Oh, man. Uh, they hopscotched Australia and Canada, I believe. So we've, we, we've got an international oh, wow. audience. Thank you, India, for listening. Hey, India, huh? Yeah. That's cool. So um, anyway, thanks to everybody that takes the time to listen to these. We hope yeah. you get some enjoyment out of it. We hope we help. And we hope that we don't go three weeks without a... Do we go two or... We well, two and a half. Two and we half went two weeks. and a half. We're, we're sorry we did that to you. Yeah. We'll try not to do it again. We will be better in the future. And until next time. Yeah. Send us topics. Next week. Take care. Bye.